Thinker podcast. My name's Frank, and let's get cracking. So basically, today's episode is going to be all about, and this one was requested on Twitter by John Junior. So um, hopefully, you got, I've got your name right there. That, that's your uh, profile name on there, Jr. Underscore Chilling Five Fifty. So um, somebody who's been kind of getting in touch with me about the podcast quite a bit since the beginning, really. So thank you very much for your support. And um, yeah, you've been asking about Oumuamua quite a bit, and um, it's a fascinating um, thing. So I thought, why not do a podcast on the thing? So a full episode about Oumuamua today, just for you, man. So I've actually been really interested in this particular thing since uh, I saw Avi Loeb on the Joe Rogan podcast quite some time ago, and and actually before that, when I when I first saw the news reports about it, it it is pretty um, pretty fascinating stuff. So let's get straight into it then. So. Oumuamua, uh, hopefully I'm saying that right, it's not the easiest thing to pronounce in a northern English accent, but Oumuamua is the first known interstellar object detected passing through the solar system. So it was it was formally designated 1I-2017 slash U1. And it was discovered by Robert Verick, Werick, I'm not sure how you say that, but sorry if I just butchered your name, using the Pan Stars Telescope at Haleakala Observatory, Hawaii, on 19th of October 2017. Again, apologies about any of these uh, pronunciations, guys, but I'm sure you get at the actual point I'm trying to make with the, with these, even if I'm getting the names a little bit wrong. Um but it was approximately 40 days after it passed its closest point to the sun that the object was actually discovered. And um, it was on the 9th of September when it was actually the closest point to the sun. But when it was observed, it was about 33 million kilometres from the Earth, which is 85 times further away than the moon. So that that's I thought that was quite interesting to to note that particular figure because if something is thirty three million kilometers away you can't really picture that in your head, but if something is eighty five times further away than the moon it allows me to kind of figure out okay I get that because you can see the moon the moon's huge obviously so you can see it from from the Earth but if you imagine how far away that is and then multiply that by 85 it just it just kind of gives you that way of being able to actually compute that figure in your head really but when it was discovered as i say it was already heading away from the sun so as i said it's the very first object coming into our solar system from outside and apparently it was moving too fast to be bound to the sun. So obviously all of the planets in our solar system are, are bound to the sun. The, the, the sheer size of the sun, obviously the amount of gravity involved, we're all caught in the sun's gravitational field and we're spinning around the sun. And a lot of other objects are as well. And that, that includes smaller fragments and things like that, as well as the actual planets themselves. 
but this object was not bound by the gravity of the sun. It was initially thought to be a comet, which is a comet basically for anybody who's not aware is a rock covered with ice. So that's why comets actually have tails. It's basically, especially as they go near to, to the sun or to, to any star or anything like that, um, the, the water literally just uh, becomes vapor as it, as it passes sources of heat. And the water vapor and ice particles that come off of it are you know, the thing that we look at through a telescope and see that it's got a tail. That is just literally the, the fragments of water and ice that, that are coming off the, the actual comet itself. But the un unusual thing about Oumuamua is there was no trail behind the comet. So, since it was observed to have no tail, it, it was possibly an asteroid. But the thing about an asteroid is they, they don't have tails, so it's basically just a lump of rock or metallic rock with, with no ice or water on it. But generally what happens with, with, uh, with asteroids is they don't have the same types of movements as what a comet does. So comets tend to, as they actually get close to a, a star of some type, they, as the water actually evaporates, it creates a, a, a kind of propulsion to change the course of the comet itself. And that's as the water evaporates. It's essentially a bit like you know when you create steam in for a steam engine. It, the steam itself, as it evaporates, it it, it creates like a, a some energy, um, which which actually propels the the comet in a different direction or changes the course of the comet just slightly. And the thing is, is that this object actually changed course as it as it kind of came close to the sun but there was still no tail so it's behaving as though it's changed course because of the proximity to the sun and and then the the actual the the water evaporating from the surface causing the tail and then changing the, the course of the object slightly but there was still no tail but it did change course so that's quite unusual in itself. It's not really, by this point, scientists are starting to become aware that this object's not really adding up what they would expect it to be doing. It's behaving very strangely. And as, as uh, Avi Loeb has actually said as well, it's quite unusual that the first object that we ever detect coming into our solar system from outside doesn't behave according to the, the laws and, and the, the rules that you would expect. That's quite fascinating in and of itself. But the other thing that was very unusual is the actual brightness of the object, which was seen to change by a factor of 10, which suggests that the shape of the object is either long, cylindrical shape, or possibly flat, like a pancake. And the, the object was actually having a tumbling motion and they were able to detect that it was roughly the size of a football field but it wasn't just moving straight in a straight line it was well it was moving in a straight line but the, the movement of the object wasn't just you know moving along it was tumbling through space so the the brightness changing by a factor of 10 is explained by the fact that if the object is tumbling along at certain times you would be able to see the, the side of the object and then as it tumbles you are then 
you have a different profile of the object being shown to you, which is why they were able to calculate that the object was the, the shape of the object was either a long cylinder or flat like a pancake or a pancake type shape. So the next question to ask is where was the, the push coming from that changed the, the trajectory of this object as it, as it, as it kind of um, as, as it moved on its course rather than just carrying straight on? As I say, you would think that it could possibly be some kind of um, the impact of the sun's heat on, on the on the um, the water or, or the ice on the comet, but that was not the case because it didn't have a tail. So, and it was also found to have not lost mass as you would expect if it was to lose the water vapor and the the the, the ice fragments. As I was saying. Not only did it not have a tail, but it didn't lose mass as it came close to the sun. So that rules out water vapor and water loss as a comet would have. One explanation for this, as suggested again by Avi Loeb, is that the object could be a light sail type object. And could this have been made by an extraterrestrial civilization? In this case, it's, it's very strange it actually looks like this is one of the most likely possibilities because we're talking about you know an object that, that doesn't behave in a way that we can explain so is it possibly that this object was created was it created specifically for the point of being a vehicle or could it maybe have just been some kind of waste some kind of perhaps there was a structure and this this was a fragment of the structure which is now just tumbling randomly through space but there was another object mentioned as well by Avi Loeb which was behaving in a very similar way much closer I believe to to uh, the planet than this particular object was but it was found to actually be uh, a sheet of metal that had come from some kind of a satellite that was launched like 30 years ago or something like that i can't remember the specifics but that was actually found to be tumbling through space and it was acting as a light sail even though it wasn't intended for the purpose of being that so it was basically a similar thing tumbling through space and it was affected by the the heat warming one side of the the object which kind of causes it to tumble and changes the traje trajectory so that's the object that behaved the most similar to this particular object and that was actually confirmed to be a fragment of one of our satellites but because of the movement of Oumuamua and where it originated from it was ruled out that that could be any of our technology and the sheer size of it being the size of a football field it doesn't make sense that it's some of ours but it is fascinating that one of the most similar objects that we have uh, witnessed in, in the in the universe that moves in a similar way is a sheet of metal that we have made so that that's food for thought there as well so a couple of other thoughts then is that slightly kind of on a tangent for a second here Avi Loeb's the backlash that he that he received after suggesting really highlights to me the extent of the stigma within the scientific field you know academia science recently neil degrasse tyson has been getting a lot of heat but you've got to remember at least neil degrasse tyson's actually having a conversation about this he's coming from the point of view of a scientist who 
they all all scientists do is they they chew up and analyze data and if you've not really got any data what's a scientist going to be able to do and when you consider that the amount of backlash that Avi Loeb got for even suggesting that this could possibly be something made by a civilization that, that's out there somewhere in the universe. Based on the things that I've suggested so far, that this object doesn't behave any way that you would expect it to if it was a naturally formed comet or meteor or, or whatever, one of the, the likely possibilities is that it could be made by some kind of intelligence. But you would think almost that that would be a logical conclusion, but completely rejected by the scientific community at large. And that, that that's just an indication of the amount of stigma, the amount of unwillingness of people to actually engage with these kind of ideas. It's just I thought that was worth mentioning because it's something that really occurred to me. And the fact that public interest was high in Oumuamua, I remember reading about it on all the news sources, people discussing it on podcasts, etc. Again, it just shows the disconnect between the established elements of of academia and also the government as well. Um, you know, the the unwillingness of of academia and the government to actually engage with this topic compared to and contrasted with the actual curiosity of the public. And again, when we say the public. The public is people, is humans. So if you think of like the human race wants to know about this kind of stuff, the human race on the whole wants to consider the possibility of non-human intelligences and civilizations out there somewhere in the universe, it's almost now become to the point where it seems more likely, if you look at it rationally, take away the stigma and the biases that we grow up with, it seems more rational that there is something out there that something like Oumuamua could very well be from some other civilization, but the disconnect there is with academia, you know, scientists, the scientific community, and also the government don't seem to want to have that conversation. And it's very interesting that is that science is there to investigate what the human race is curious about that's the point isn't it and the human race i genuinely think is curious about this stuff and it seems backward that the scientific community doesn't want to engage with it because of these built-in stigmas that are just hardwired into people's thinking and the same with the governments and it's slowly starting to change which is a good, definitely a good thing but it's very weird isn't it how we ended up in a situation where people are curious about this thing but science, which is the the whole thing of science, is that it's there to delve into the things that we're curious about as a human race. For some reason, scientific community won't engage, won't won't think about this seriously, and ridicules anybody who does. Baffling, but hopefully we see that change more as time goes along. Anyway, so Avi Loeb, going back to what I was talking about, actually wrote a paper in two thousand and nine calculating the number of objects that you would expect to find within our solar system if you assume that all planetary systems occasionally eject objects randomly through collisions through uh, some kind of a celestial body hitting one of the planets that's orbiting a certain star uh, blah 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 you know things that naturally occur and that through whatever it might be every planetary system occasionally ejects objects randomly now if you calculate the number of nearby planetary systems and and work out the likelihood of of an ejection from a solar system apparently according to the paper that, that avi Loeb wrote 
which obviously you can look into if you want to know more specifics about it. But if you actually calculate all of that stuff, and if it, if it was the case that, that these objects are being um, ejected randomly by um, solar systems, you would expect a quadrillion objects at any given time in our solar system, which makes it seem extremely unlikely that that is its origin, that this thing was just randomly ejected by a solar system. It could be. It could just be that this was the jackpot, you know, of, of the um, the planetary uh, ejection <laughs> lottery. But it does seem very, very unlikely that this is just a random thing that just so happened to have flown through... Um, you know, thrown through the, flown through the the vastness of space and just found itself randomly coming through our solar system. So it does seem in that case then, and and this is what Avi Loeb is is theorising that it's actually more statistically likely that this object could have been sent to our region for a specific purpose, or even that it could potentially be a receiver to pick up some data on our planet and others. Now. That leads me nicely into the speculation segment of this episode. So all of the things I've mentioned so far are largely based in actual facts and statistics and figures, things that can be measured and maybe some of the more speculative conclusions that could be drawn from that. But now we're about to go into proper speculation because... The actual facts that we have in front of us basically allow us to go down the way of thinking that, wow, this thing is very unusual. It's nothing like we've ever seen before. You know, it's bizarre, but that's about it. You know, we're struggling with the data that we've got to draw any hard conclusions from it. And again, hopefully this is something that we'll see start to become... You know, now we're going to look into things more. Now, now we've got the the UAP task force report. Now the NASA are actually, you know, the the new the new um, leader of NASA is is basically really keen to get on board with this thing and look into it more and take it more seriously. Hopefully, we'll start to see more data because if we had more data on Oumuamua, we wouldn't have to speculate so much. And whether you're a skeptic, whether you're somebody who's a fully all in kind of down the rabbit hole um, believer in these things whether you're an experiencer so that gives you uh, the point of view of you look you feel like you've actually experienced this thing and you know that it's real what all of those things have in common is that all of those people are going to want more data because you know that that's that's how you get to the bottom of things isn't it and that's what frustrates me i was saying earlier that the scientific community doesn't want to engage surely what we should be doing is going okay there's a possibility that this thing is a thing so let's get more data on it and then we can actually make up our minds and that's kind of slowly but surely um the the, the elements of the public who are kind of interested in this are, are dragging the 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 government and the scientific community kicking and screaming to the point of getting more data and hopefully we'll see that continue but until we've got that data speculation is about the best that we can do speculation based on the actual facts and figures that we have got so i think that concept is is very interesting even if it is highly based on speculation the concept that it could be uh, an artificial object created by uh, some kind of extraterrestrial civilization. I mean, what fascinates me is that it could actually be 
waste products. It could be, you know, some kind of massive structure out in space that has been hit by some kind of weapon system or some kind of, you know, comet, meteor, asteroid, whatever, and has destroyed some kind of huge system and sent fragments hurtling off into all different element, all different parts of the universe. And this one particular object has, has has flown through our solar system it could be that this thing was actually manufactured as a probe and sent through our solar system and it it does seem quite unusual that it, it that it has come through our solar system at a time of more uap phenomena being observed it could be remember we only actually witnessed this object as it was already kind of past the best point that we would have had to actually look at it. We, by the time we realised it was there, it had already gone past. It was already flying away from, from the sun and away from us by this point. So who's to say the, this, this object could have actually been there before? It's already been through the solar system and it's turned around and it's come back. Or it could even be where there's been multiple similar objects that have been witnessed or can you imagine if we witnessed another very very similar object in a year's time now that that would be very suspicious something that behaved in a similar way that was on a similar trajectory you know and again it all comes down to data if the more data you've got the better it is the easier it is to draw accurate conclusions from that data and hopefully we'll see more of that become available but the, the links with UAP, and this is something, again, John Jr. Um, on, on Twitter was was uh, was wondering about delving into, the links actually with UAP. Now, the link between Oumuamua and UAP is possible, but you have to really delve fully into speculation at this point because there's no evidence to say that, you know, there is links there. But I think when you consider the physics-defying elements of uap perhaps a light sail drifting through space seems a little bit less likely as perhaps the technology would eliminate the need for a light sail i mean if if we're talking here about some kind of extraterrestrial intelligence somewhere out in the universe maybe they don't need something like a light sail it almost seems like we can pretty much do a light sail at this point so if if this was coming from some kind of very advanced civilization would they still be using light sail technology but then again this could have been created by a civilization a million years ago which has just taken a million years to finally get through our solar system you know difficult to actually say again it's pure speculation but it's an interesting thought possibly the craft could just travel to the other side of the universe in an instant so if civilizations really had this technology that can you know the, the tic-tac objects and things like that that can supposedly fly to eighty thousand feet down to the surface of the ocean within a second you know if they could move that you know that quickly and the technology was that mind-blowing to us would they rely on something like a light sail it's, it's just a thought there but I have heard people talk about gravity-based propulsion in terms of it basically makes distance irrelevant. So if that was the case, the light sail kind of object perhaps seems a bit less likely. And what's, what maybe would seem more likely if you go down that, that path of thinking would be that this is debris. You know, it's literally just, it's an unusual shape and it's just 
it's not a craft as such it's just a, a fragment of some kind of structure or some kind of other craft or whatever it might be that has just been tumbling through space um after some event that, that could have happened a million years ago for all we know it could have happened ten thousand years ago or a thousand years ago um it could be it could have actually happened in the future and then some kind of weird interaction with a black hole as it's been tumbling through space has sent it back in time there's a lot of things out in the universe that we don't understand so we're speculating on things here that you know that, that could be any number of things but it could be that the uap here actually are from one extraterrestrial civilization and that Oumuamua is from another slightly less advanced civilization. So the Tic Tac itself, you know, and, and objects like that that have this incredible, um, you know, propulsion systems that allow them to travel from one place to another without any time passing by and things like that. That that could be the case, but then there could be another civilization way, way out there that actually has uh, light sail technology. Or if you wanted to go down that path of thinking as well, it could even be that the same civilization a million years ago or half a million years, whatever, some lengthy period of time ago, sent a light sail probe from their civilization to here. And then over the course of the next, you know, 100,000 years, their civilization then advanced so quickly or they advanced so much in that time that they then came up with way better technology that actually then allowed them to travel to Earth in an instant. And, and obviously a lot of other places as well. They're not just going to be aiming to come just to Earth, obviously. But let's say they do that, then the Tic Tac could actually have been here for, you know, thousands of years, or Tic Tac type objects or triangles, whatever. And then the actual light sail that they sent out could finally then tumble around to get into Earth. So they could have actually made technology that allowed them to get here even before the light sail did, you know? Or, as I said, it could be that one civilization somewhere out there has got these incredible tic tac devices, these kind of, um, you know, the, these kind of craft that can travel in an instant, but another civilization, you know, has, has got some kind of light sail. Again, it could be that all of the above is true, but we don't know. It's fun to speculate, but we really don't know. You know, oh, I suppose the other option is that the UAP could be based here. And Oumuamua is totally unrelated and, you know, completely different. So we've got some kind of civilization here on Earth that we've that's been here all along that we had no idea about. And that civilization has, you know, also noticed Oumuamua traveling through the sky and thinking, what does that mean? Something I've been thinking about a lot is that there is always the possibility that if you think about civilization, our civilization, the way that it is now, we're approaching the point where we have now become integrated with technology. Our phone is now actually a part of our consciousness. You know, Elon Musk is, is, is trying to lead us towards Neuralink, which is basically to actually directly integrate your phone with your brain so you don't have to interface with your phone by opening it up with a fingerprint or a, an eye scan or whatever tapping a few buttons you know if you think about i wonder what you know some kind of calculation is you, your phone your d 
device that you have on your person automatically interfaces with your brain and then you just know the answer to that calculation instantly without having to that does seem like the next step doesn't it i mean it's like i've just got a recently got a new iphone and my previous iphone was the iphone 6 i'd had it for quite a number of years and you had to you had to do a thumbprint every time you went into the phone I got so used to that that it becomes second nature and then recently I got an iPhone 12 which has the facial recognition. All of a sudden you don't have to use your thumbprint anymore and within literally two days it would feel weird now to use a thumbprint again. You know, it's it's amazing how quickly we adapt to new technology and it would be the same thing with having some kind of neural link as well. So just bear with me here, I'll, I'll, I'll explain how this relates to Umuamua in a minute. But if you think about the, the speed that we adapt to technologies, it's only a matter of time before the Neuralink technology just becomes like second nature and people will be like, wow, can you believe we used to carry around like a phone and you have to look at it to accept that it, it'll just be in, integrally linked with our own consciousness. And then obviously the device that we use to, to do the calculations will become more powerful. The links, the, the options of what you can actually do with the Neuralink will become more powerful. And it stands to reason that 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 curve is going to continue it's not just going to stop is it that we're never going to get to the point where we go right we're cool with that now we're not going to advance technology anymore it's literally not how it works as humans we have a massive hunger for progress and for technology and for advancements and we're just going to carry on going it's going to get more arguably as the technology that we've got advances that allows us to make the next technological advancement even quicker so what I'm, what I'm getting to here is that it is very possible that we're going to become a post-biological species at some point. We're going to become interplanetary within the next 10 years, it seems. We're going to have human beings on Mars, you know, and then we're going to have potentially human beings on other planets. It's not just going to, again, it's not going to stop at Mars. There's no way. We're going to get to Mars and go, right, okay, we're cool with that now, that's it, we'll draw the line there, leave it there, no worries. What we're going to end up doing is we're going to end up going from Mars to another planet and another planet and then even further away planet and then we're going to go to another solar system and, you know, it's going to continue and continue. And at some point, we are probably going to develop better AI to the point where we can actually then use that AI to, to make better propulsion technologies and better manufacturing. And, and it is inevitably going to lead to a point where we have incredible propulsion systems, whether it's a hundred years or a thousand years from now, we're going to make propulsion systems that the human body, biological human body cannot deal with. We're probably going to make actual technological interfaces that perhaps even the biological human body can't deal with so if we're going to put a craft we're going to manufacture a craft and we're going to put that into some um some mission some journey to travel to something that's very very far away i think what's very likely to happen is that that craft is not going to contain biological bodies because you're always going to be limited with a biological body as to how fast the craft can operate or to how how many G's that the, the craft can can uh, put up with when it's got human beings inside. I suppose, though, 
this is dependent on what the technology actually consists of because it may be that if you have some kind of gravity-based proportion system controlled by consciousness or, or whatever it is that people speculate about maybe the forces that are put onto that craft it doesn't really work in the same way as what we're used to so maybe you can do a 90 degree turn at 3,000 miles an hour and there's no g-forces uh, exerted on the the people within the you know the, the biological bodies within that craft but even if that is the case, it seems likely that you're probably going to be able to get probes, which essentially are the types, you know, like a very advanced version of the probe that we've just put on Mars recently. And those probes would be sent out first. Whether or not that's because probes can handle more G forces without an actual consciousness, a biological body inside it, or whether it's just because that's the logical thing to do in terms of risk. You're not just going to send a person to Mars straight away, are you? You're going to put a probe there first. So it could be that the probes are things like Oumuamua, things like Tic Tacs, things like triangles. And then what we may be seeing is that the actual craft containing biological bodies has to travel a little bit slower than the actual probes do. So we could be seeing the probes that are laying the groundwork for more further craft arriving that actually have biological bodies within them. It's just a thought. It's wild speculation. It's going into the realms of sci-fi. But you know me on this podcast, I like to delve into a bit of that sort of thing. I'm not presenting it as facts. I'm not presenting it that I know the answers to these things because I'll tell you what, I definitely don't. <laughs> but it is interesting to speculate. So just in conclusion then, I think this case definitely goes to highlight how little we know about the universe, whether it's earthly UAP or objects like Oumuamua, which are flying through the solar system that we just, up until you know a couple of years ago, we had no idea that these kind of objects even existed, flying through the solar system, defying everything that we know. And it just really goes to show how little we actually understand about our universe and how tiny we are in this universe compared to the, the sheer scale of, of what's out there. And what we need is data to, and uh, you know, John Jr., mate, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably laughing because we talked about this the other day. That data density is becoming my new favourite phrase, but that's what we need, isn't it? That's what the sceptics want. They want data. You know, you, you see people complaining about the grainy images and photographs and videos that we've got so far. What they're really saying there is we want more data. We want better data. When you see believers absolutely arguing the point that they think that this this that and the other is the case what they really need is more data to prove what they think is the case and what scientists need and politicians need is data so it's all about data and we need that data to be analyzed by the brightest minds that we actually have as a human race and hopefully this current public interest that we have at the moment helps us towards that towards being able to put ourselves in a position of getting more data you know we're seeing the leadership at nasa get on board with this and, and say that they're going to push to get more data we're seeing the uap task force now starting to gradually accept that they're going to have to give the public what they want and as i say as i've mentioned in other podcasts before what percentage of um, the information that they actually have in intelligence services about UAP and about the universe in general and what have you 
we don't know how much percent they've already really revealed, how much more there is behind the scenes that we don't know about. But hopefully, at least what we are seeing is that there is more of a desire from the public to know about this. The public are actually communicating that to the people in positions that can collect the data. So hopefully we'll see more data coming through and then we'll be one step closer to actually understanding what, what, what is going on in the universe, what our place in the universe is and what it's all about. So there you go. That's um, that's my thoughts on Oumuamua. Absolutely fascinating. But when you're talking about an object that's 33 million miles away from the planet Earth with the very limited data that we've got on it, it will remain a fascinating mystery but not one that we can draw any firm conclusions for at this from at this point in time. But essentially it is a UAP in its own way, isn't it? I mean, it's an unidentified object flying through space that we have no idea where it came from, what it's doing, what it's all about. Fascinating to, to contemplate what it could be, but we need that data to figure out what it actually is. So I hope you've enjoyed listening to this one. And... Um, don't forget I'm on Twitter at UFO Thinker. Don't forget to uh, give us a shout on there if you've got any questions or anything you want to add to what I've been talking about today. I'm definitely no expert in this in the topic in general. I'm just a fascinated guy who wants to add my my thoughts to the thing. And um, you know, if you want to know more actual factual information, definitely recommend going checking out some of Avi Avi Loeb. Uh, it's A V I L O E B, and he's been on the Joe Rogan podcast. He's been on Lex Fridman's podcast. If you just search his name, you're going to find loads of interviews and podcasts with him on. Um, and this is a, a respected scientist as well. He's he's a very um, highly qualified guy. A lot of experience in in the subjects that he talks about. So if you really want to know more specifics, go and check it out from directly from the source. Um, but until next time, guys. Take it easy, and I'll see you in the next podcast. UFO Thinker Podcast.